0: Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Bucked Up Podcast. If you don't mind hitting the like and subscribe button, we have two new episodes coming out every week. Now let's get into it. Today's episode is sponsored by one of my favorite rap labels, Front Row Regale. Started by my good friend Rock City Mark, legendary rapper Ito, and Jay Rios. They are the go-to for real hip-hop. Make sure to check out the whole team, including DJ Duop, Wop, J Black, Nice to Future, Boo Boo the Prince, Reno Rex, and OOP Digs. Follow Front Row Regale on all platforms and check out The New New York by Ito and DJ Duop out now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that sound Does that yeah. sound
0: good to you? This is cool. Perfect. This I'm happy you actually know what you're doing. Most people don't. Like they don't care it's about a fully what they operating like, business in here. <laughs> some people don't know. <laughs> some people don't have yeah, a fucking yeah. king's throne.
1: A lot of people like to take pictures and they. Oh, I never got it. I need to get those pictures developed. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, we're yes, like, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> You it's know, it's not that kind of party over here, bro. I'm trying to like get this shit in.
0: You asked what my fans wanted. I only had one thing prepared for you in okay. this whole conversation. Is that I've messaged this to you when we first when, met?
1: When do we um? When do we start? We can start whenever. It's a okay. roll start. Do you do start. like a do you like an intro?
0: No. No, it's just a rolling start. <laughs>
1: What's up? It's Kosha Bills.
0: <laughs> There's I'm the Sam intro on Buck Up Podcast. <laughs> I should Welcome have the, to the crib. The guests do the intro for me. Yeah. But I saw you. Welcome to my apartment. Thank you very much Actually, for having thanks me.
1: Thanks for thanks for th- does everyone know who you're with usually?
0: Yeah. Okay, your thousand. name will your name will show up. Do they know a thousand oh, words, oh, is, thousand here? words is, is here? in the back,
1: is in the ba- Mama words is you Mama here? words and th- okay, that's what I want to reference. <laughs> do people reference you as thousand words or your real first name? Uh my friends know by my real name, but you know, Rome's my regular name. Rome, okay. My name's Rami. My name's Rami. Rami and Rome. Rome, Rami and Rome. And Sam. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But yeah, people call me. What do people call you? Dills?
1: Kosha? Kosh. Rami? is like if you're in the streets and you're like, I'm your buddy, like, yo, kosh. Kosh. <laughs> kosh. <laughs> hey, kosh. And Jewish people say, kosher dills. Like, is like, it hard are. for friends to call you your rap name? This is like an ongoing like tragedy and traumatic life experience of like, well, I want to know you. it was Rami. You're so much Rami and not kosher dills. And you're just like. Could you like get out of my like childhood trauma and just like let me pick yeah. my fucking rap name? That's how long I've been rapping. But listen, when I people said, How long you have been rapping? I was rapping before using your real name was cool, it wasn't even a thing. No rappers used <laughs> a real they name. I think just
0: ran out of rap names and they had to start going by regular names.
1: Like Biggie Smalls had Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I., all these other rap names before anyone would say Christopher Wallace. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was that your first rap name? Kosher Dills?
1: My first rap name was Kosher Dill. Mm. That was it. I just literally got it off. I was 17. It was a, uh, you had, you had to spice amazing. it up a little bit. Yeah, it was Kosher Dill. Then I was embarrassed about it. It was like, uh, just KD flow. Cause people made fun of me off the, I come from the era when people was making fun of you right off the gate. And boo. <laughs> Do you think
0: people are nice now?
1: <laughs> I don't, you know, nicer. I think people are just, you know, So people
0: just hear your name and start booing
1: at that time. Yeah. I mean, people just boo anyway. You know, it's coming from the Eureka Post Cafe.
0: <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I saw you a hella long time ago perform, like probably 2014 okay. in Boston. Okay. At Brighton Music Hall. Oh, yeah,
1: with Riff Raff. With that, was riff. that was 2015. 2015. So, just so people know, it was Kosha Dill, then it was Katie Flow, then I came out as Kosha Dills.
0: The best name out of the three. And if my I label, may say so. my,
1: thank you. My <laughs> label, since day one, my PayPal account if you hit me matzah for your mouth records Matza, m-a-t-z-a-h 4 <laughs> yo y-o apostrophe m-o-u-f is that what your llc my myspace.com <laughs> my <laughs> my <laughs> <laughs> slash kosher deals in yo mouth with the f <laughs> yeah and i so i was easily like influenced by like you know, at that point, like the main point of hip hop was to make people suck your dick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There was no other purpose. I was like, I don't know Wait,
0: I need to say, because he said that, I got my dick sucked at that concert in the bathroom. At my opened, show? At your show when you opened up for Riff Raff All right. in 2017.
1: Do you, you get it during my set or the headlining set?
0: I got a handy during your set. So you didn't even watch the show.
1: <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What are we doing? I, hey,
0: it was a great hand job. I had to talk to you. Wow. You got a
1: hand eater in the show. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, right? On the dance floor. Oh,
1: okay. White girl with cornrows. Nice. Oh, okay. Back Dangerous. then, you couldn't get canceled for that. No, no. no I like the danger 2015. It. it. was still okay in Boston, which is probably still okay in Boston now. People do
0: my mom told me that her type in college was white guys with dreadlocks, and I think that's one of the most traumatic things I've ever heard.
1: Nice. Should I listen to Bob Marley?
0: He's not white. This is white guy but with dreadlocks. But they were like, luck. you know,
1: they're like looking reggae vibes. Yeah, love yeah. hacky sack. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hooping at night with me <laughs> on Glow in the Dark Hoops.
0: I feel like Ska oh, is shit. just white person reggae.
1: Scott Parkins is dead. Shout out to MC Lars. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, that <laughs> you know, name I'm, is a name that, I haven't heard in so long. Vans Warp Tour. That was on the Vans Warp Tour tour. Oh, and shout out to the guy who booked me on that show, who called me today from Bahrain. Does anyone know where that is? No, idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's no in, idea. It's it's like the oil Middle East. It's like part of the... Oh, and, you and he know, booked like you Dubai. for the Vans? He used to book, yeah. Shout out to Lance. Lance from Live Nation. I he, feel like more he was wild. booking at Brighton. And now he's i think he's a, a, a from what i think he's overseas i think still in bahrain he might actually be in new york but i uh, feel
0: like vans uh, warp tours the wildest of tours it Cause is. it's just like white kids who don't give a fuck
1: yeah i think yes and just
0: hate their parents
1: yeah i think there's a lot of teenage angst and in my situation it was like in your 30s angst <laughs> you know yeah. You don't really match the Vans Warp Tour vibe. I'm not. Gonna well, lie. the thing about, and shout out to Kevin Lyman, the thing about Vans Warp Tour was like, it was a dream come true. You have to understand from touring, you know, playing the east or like, or doing like a guest verse on like somebody's rap set on the upstairs spot to sell CDs and then getting a call from CAA, you know what I mean? To do 40 shows at a specific amount of money and be like, yep, you got to buy into a tour bus. And you're like, wait. What do you mean? Tour bus? Like, they don't just give them to you? And that's the thing, dude. Like, no one tells rappers anything. Underground rap has confused the entire society that we live in today. People think they could show up late. People think that an hour late is on time. That shit... Vans Warp Tour, you were up at seven o'clock working like a construction job. It was my dream come true. It was like, I have a real job. I was getting checks. You know, like your check or cat, you're like, uh, check. You know, people like, yeah, it wasn't some rap shit where you're like, yo, I need my money now before I get on the stage. <laughs> but I was taught through that. And Vans Warp Tour was so amazing because these artists, Riff Rap was the biggest act on the tour. Like at that time, he was like, Riff, like it was just. What, what, what's his name? I don't know. He has so many different names, but it's like, yeah, the, yeah, the pink Panther, Dusty are dusty. Jody high roller. <laughs> and he had security, like the biggest security guy who's like gone on to do security for like Ariana, you know, the biggest of the big, even a security guard was famous. Like, it was just, it was <laughs> That's so when you amazing. You know, you made it. Yeah, it's your security, security guard's famous. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, oh, you're doing an after show? And I'm like, yo, I got to get on the show. And it was the coolest, it was cool coolest thing. I, those are Vans Warped Tour Tours, the first time I trended on Twitter. Hello. Wow. <laughs> it was so amazing. You liked the corporate side of it. You had to get up it like a. Just, yeah, it was such.
0: You were unionized
1: artist. Yeah, you got paid every week. It, it was like, it's a real tour, right? It's a, traveling circus have you ever seen like a circus like Ringling brothers yeah. mm-hmm. you're part of the traveling circus there's like three four hundred people working you know there's the bands there's the merch guy there's uh production there's sound guys there's um there's local crew and you go and you set up your tent your kosher dills tent or your bucked up podcast tent and then people meet you and then you sell your merch you're there all day it's like a fucking flea market yeah, but. It, <laughs> and you just like literally headlock kids, and they're like, their parents gave them 30 bucks, and they're going around. They're like, oh, come here. Do you like rap music? Like, Let me freestyle for you. And they I'm got like, oh, the yeah. day off at Spencer's. Yep. Yeah. And they're like, I'm going to spend this, and I'm going to get a pin and a button. And I was selling pickles at the tour. Really? Yeah. Because people are like, I'll buy a pickle. I love the pickle <laughs> guy. And that's when, all right, this is, I don't, this conversation is taking a turn. Do you remember when. <laughs> Do you remember when uh, I took Pickle-
0: a turn? I was talking about getting my dick sucked while you were on stage. Yeah, oh my God. We, we took a Speaking turn. Speaking of kosher
1: Dills, uh, he's getting <laughs> handy, and pickles were becoming popular from Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick had just come out, mm. so they're like, "Hey, it's Pickle Rick! It's Pickle Rick! It's Pickle Rick!" I mean, it, the Pickle Rick explosion. If you look now, just like a couple of things on Instagram, just for anyone watching pickle related stuff and then all your instagram will be like pickled ice cream pickled pizza pickle this and all these posts go viral because people are like there's like a whole subgenre of pickles so an obsession of pickles yeah um thousand words if you reach under that table i could show you the merch from vans warp tour just grab one of those shirts and toss it over here <laughs> here you go throw it over you hear it this is a pickle button up all right. oh wow yeah i'm gonna just show you and this shit still sells. Shout out to Shalom Clothing, who designed this. I'm going to hold this up. Hold on.
0: Hold it has on. the pocket and everything. Yeah.
1: Sorry. This is going to piss people off the sound.
0: It's okay. Fuck them. <laughs>
1: nice.
0: That is a dope shirt.
1: This is, this is a shirt you would buy at Warp Tour. I'll give you one. Okay?
0: Thank you very much. That's a, that's a legendary <laughs> shirt with it the is. pickles.
1: Yeah, dude. You could wear it at... You can, I'm sure it'll be a big hit at drum work fest. Oh,
0: <laughs> now, what's your favorite pickle?
1: Yeah. Um, what, would, what would you say if I don't even eat pickles?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you hate your anti-pickle. I mean, you know, it's like, do you listen back to your podcast? Never. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you invent pickles? Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: You were just playing uh, with vinegar one day and throwing nah. cucumbers around.
1: <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, um, no, I have you know. Actually, shout out to Grillos; they make great pickles. Um, they actually have a pop up in New York City right now. Um, <laughs> there's, it's whatever. I like homemade stuff. I mean, obviously the kosher dill pickles in a bag. If you go to the south, but you're not a pickle fan. I mean, I wasn't. It was just a thing. It was just a name. It was, it was nothing to do with pickle. It was like obviously a double entendre. Triple entendre. Kosher dills is. Not for my love of pickles. I was seventeen. It was a sexual reference, as you can say, kosher deals in your mouth. It was a Jewish reference, and it was like a hustle reference because I was a hustler. I was like kosher deals, kosher deals. You know what I'm saying? Just you know that. It was a play off all the words. I couldn't commit to anything. Completely. Do you regret
0: sticking with that name?
1: That's interesting. I, let's ask. The, let's ask the listener. <laughs> no, I, I, to be honest, it's it's awkward because a lot of people I'll go to like, uh, an event or something. And they're like, oh, kosher deals. How are kosher? the thing, the pickle thing, you know, and you're just like, you know, you're just like, dude, just, just call me Rami. Just, you know, just. So back and to the going by your real name. Back to going by your real name thing. Yeah, it's like do people be like, oh, bucked up? Do people just call you bucked up? Or they go, yeah. like, oh, hey Sam. Mm-hmm.
0: So I get bucked Sam, up a lot. Yeah, I'm glad up. that bucks my last name.
1: Okay. Yeah. Exactly. My last my my name is an ill name, so, and I that's why I kind of really want to push for like branding my real name on my next tours and shit. Rami Matan Evanesh or Ram Matan Evanesh. That's a dope name. Yeah. My first, I wasn't, a, I wasn't always a Jewish rapper. My first name was Ram, which means high exalted. My middle name is Matan, which means gift. So everyone in middle school called me Ramadan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is a Muslim holiday. So
0: you're rebranding <laughs> yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, no, in a sense, I'm definitely trying to let people know who I am more. I don't think people really know much about me. They people see don't me. realize
0: you don't like pickles.
1: Uh, people don't know much about me. They're like, it's like, oh, the guy, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm okay. I, I branded myself pretty much as like a hard worker. <laughs> so it's like, it's definitely like, oh, I want people to like get to know me and, and learn a little bit of the backstory and shit. And when you're telling about your backstory, you have to, you know, my name's not like Jacob Weinstein or just like an American Jewish name. It's like, it's, it's not an American name, Yeah, you know?
0: it's hard to get branded as a hard worker because you have to keep up that work yes
1: yeah, it's, it's actually weird i it's like people who you know, i don't work hard i need to express this to people being on instagram for like eight hours a day is an addiction it's not it's not a work ethic you know what i mean yeah I think if you're on the email and you're hiring people and you're like have people doing outreach for events and booking and, and then you're creating videos and editing podcasts and uploading and sharing and then doing outreach to like hire influencer people and doing phone calls and then taking care of your mental health and then exercise. I mean, yeah, that's hard work. I think, I think people that hang outside home Depot that, do construction and landscaping for 10 hours a day for $20 an hour. That is what I think of as hard work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think creating um, relationships with your supporters and, and fostering them to be your diehards. Like people who have diehard fans versus people that are continually trying to like be in the spot and outreach to people that don't fuck with them anyway. Like that's not hard work. I think the hard work is fostering the relationships you have with, your existing supporters like you're going on tour you're doing a bucked up podcast yeah you know what i mean i think me rapping on the street continuously because i knew that was a genius move to get go viral in new york city to get me auditions to go wild and out at 40. <laughs> are you 40? yeah 41. damn mm-hmm. good for you thanks
0: looking great thanks dude i would never have guessed that
1: i can't wait till i'm 50. <laughs> You know what I'm saying?
0: Now I do. Okay. I don't, but now I understand why you would want to rebrand from it. a name that you picked when you were 17. It's when just you're like, a grown I just ass think it's, man now who wants to grown, be known
1: as who you are. Exactly. You know how fucked up it is to like go through your twenties is like, and this is not anything. It's just imagine, imagine existing in so many different worlds, but your name was old dirty bastard. He didn't make it through. To be who he was. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But imagine old Dirty Bastard alive today, just like navigating and like black tie affairs at the fucking Met Gala. Oh hello, old Dirty Bastard. You know what I mean? It just kind dude. of people are like, oh that's you But know. you're doing comedy, which is right, like taking right, right, right. it as a
0: taking your yeah, seriousness you have to take it as Seriously a as a
1: joke. But I also it's like a quest to discover yourself at a later you're like, dude, I'm just getting started. And it's not my fault that I'm just getting started. It's just, it took me this long to discover, oh, this is like the next step. You know what I
0: mean? Do you think you decide to freestyle on the street because you consider yourself not a hard worker?
1: No, um, freestyling on the street, that's a great question. Freestyling on the street was a thing that happened when, like, I shout out to my old roommate, Lonnie. He's one of my best friends. This guy was a broke cab driver making $10 an hour who um, lost his cab license, became Uber driver, lost his Uber license, lost his Lyft license, and then rode his bicycle to work at a rehab for twelve dollars an hour, right? As a grown man, grown man, and then he did that and he kept working, working, and now he's like multimillionaire, like owning, you know, like uh, rehabs. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, and he was like Rami. He's like, shut the fuck up and go rap outside. And my whole thing was i want to be inside i want to be in because i I had a super bowl commercial and what happened is i had a my biggest hit in 2012 was that with jesse shack and i had a super bowl commercial it was like a six-figure deal with bud light but i didn't keep working because i thought i was like oh i deserve i didn't make you know what i'm saying yeah. i just imagine having zero dollars and then not and being from the underground rap world i'm talking like rapping like having songs of like RZA, Sea Rays and, and, you know, trying to do shit with like Cannibal Ox and stuff, stuff like that. Right. And then having money, and then just living in LA and just disappearing because you're just living and not continuously working because the money goes and yeah. 5,000 and 10,000 and 20,000. It's you know like me? how
0: they say people win the lottery always goes broke because it's right. not about what you have. It's about what you do with the money.
1: Exactly. So I was like ashamed and I'm just like, yeah, I just need to go. And I never had a real job. So I never, I only sold drugs and delivered pizza and I like sold I mean I sold cemetery plaza door to door. So a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> I was killing it. <laughs> um, but like I came from the hustle world, so I didn't no one taught me how to do things. I just learned from mistakes and like mistakes, right? But the street performing was like my form of hard work. It was like it was like, yo, that was my construction job. It was mm-hmm. like just get out there and rap because you are a rapper. You have something to say, you like people, and this is a way to just be out of your head. Yeah and not be like you know how artists be they're like I should be this or I should be on that tour like so busy thinking who you should open up for you never you forget to foster your own development Mm -hmm. so the fucking the street shit was just like yo YouTube and going you know people posting about you and I'm like I don't have to tell people listen to my song because they're hearing me rap in real time and I'm rapping about them and that developed once the pandemic hit it really was, I wasn't filming or anything in, in, in LA. I was just doing it and just trying to make a hundred, $200 and just navigating in the world's post, you know, warp tour. I did another warp tour and I, that was like my goal. Everyone's goal was to do warp tour because it was like our long job of the summer. Right. And you could just sell so much merch. So during the pandemic came to New York, come to New York. And then I'm like, Oh shit. Like you could go, we got 50,000 views on Instagram because I'm like rapping in a snowstorm. And I was like, I started rapping in extreme weather. <laughs> it's like only, those are all the videos. Like, oh, if it's snowing, Coach, just going to be outside rapping. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this is like a thing in New York. People like, oh, you're crazy. Like, you know how people say the Bronx, like, oh, some Bronx shit. Like, yeah. this is Bronx. Like, like, if you see something really, really crazy in New York, you'd think it's the Bronx. Then it goes Brooklyn, then everything else, right? But, the crazy stuff is bronx so any videos like oh it's in the bronx you know a lot of people will click on it yeah so it was like a snowstorm in uh it was like on hanukkah and i was like rapping in a blizzard in <laughs> fucking in front of like a menorah in in williamsburg and people were sharing it nonstop. i'm like oh i get it so now i'm like i keep rapping in snowstorms and then i was getting on what is new york and and things like that and then phew, you know people are like new york is back new york is back and New York, I was making more money rapping on the streets than I was at regular shows. So to me, you know, the street performing thing was like, yo, this is dope. Now people are paying me to rap about their company or brand and stuff like that. And it was just like, oh, this is a thing. People want me to, and I was kind of always doing stuff like that on the tours anyway to sell merch. I'm like, oh, freestyle about you also after I performed. But this is just a new thing, you know, and there was no shows. There was no touring. Are you hard on
0: yourself? Mm Mm-hmm. The re- that, this is the point that I asked that is because yeah. listening to you talk is it's hitting very close to me and it's the reason I like stand up and it's the reason I like this podcast because if I had any setup more than this I would talk myself out of it. Oh yeah, yeah. If stand up was anything more than just walking up on stage I would talk myself out of it because I'm very hard on myself yeah. but I also believe in myself just enough. Right. To do that thing that's immediate
1: Right. Yes. Like yesterday I did. Uh, <clears throat> what did I do yesterday? I did a show yesterday. Um, I'll just tell you a great thing. So I just got this Jewish star from a guy who did his podcast, my boy Brian. Shout out to the Brian Adam podcast. They gave me a Jewish star that's like 300 years old. He gave it as a gift and it was amazing. It was beautiful. And <laughs> I was hula hooping yesterday because I was so miserable. <laughs> so I found some hula hoopers was I'm going to do some shit. This is some stuff that happened to you when you get older. If you're younger watching this shit, trust me. You'll, one day you'll be you,
0: looking back and you you're know, like, kosher like, was
1: right. Yeah. I'm hula hooping. I'm sad. Like, you know, I was trapping Oxycontins and now I'm doing hula hoop. <laughs> now I'm but crying like, hula hooping in the park. Yeah. But the thing is my necklace fell off. So I was like, yo, I felt horrible about myself. And then I went to a show. I killed the show knowing I'm like, I am a bad person, even though I'm not a bad person. But now, cause I lost something. You're like beating yourself up. You're like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. And I went back and it was there and it was, it was messed up. But I found in, this is 34th street. So this is a crazy shit. I'm in New York city. I dropped my necklace, a 300 year old Jewish star from Austria. The guy bought off like a, a site, like, you know, over an auction site. It was authentic. And um, I got it as a gift and I already lost, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, dude, well, how disrespectful is that? In my mind, I'm thinking this guy must think I'm so disrespectful. I'm not. It's just a mistake. It happened. Shit happens, right? But um, I still did. I could still kill a show. I could perform in front of 10,000 people. It doesn't mean I feel, it doesn't mean you feel great about yourself. You could have a, a million downloads on your podcast and you're like, dude, I am Sam is, a, you're not a good person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. they so crazy. That shit is, is bananas. So that's stuff I'm personally working on. But I think artists feel like that in general because we know we could do more. Like that's what people are like, you work so hard. I'm like, dude, I am the laziest fucking guy I know.
0: But do you think that thought is what pushes people forward? Because if you were happy with yourself, you wouldn't want to do anything more. When you made all that money, you didn't want to do anything you know because
1: like you hit the level yeah you hit the level you you hit the level
0: but when you're unhappy with what you're doing that's just gonna keep pushing you forward (laughs)
1: it's so crazy yeah man so that's why i'm working I'm, i'm working on like like i make myself run faster through like trauma I don't make myself run faster. Cause come on, brother, you're about to kill it. Like we're yeah. about to kill it. And that's a whole mind shift. You know, the thousand words doesn't want to take another fucking picture of another rapper. But you're like, yo, this next picture is going to be the one that goes, it's going to be the best one to post. And, um, it's an unquenchable thirst success. You know what I mean? Could you like, are you, you're, you know, you talk about Buffalo rap, right. And just like, um, benny the butcher and just like thinking i remember like listening to his music before my rap battles at wild and out i told him this shit and i'm like and then um and then i met him and stuff and i'm like oh man this this picture will probably be like huge whatever like no one no one care about my fans i'll probably know who he is really i have like such an interesting you know follower base from wild and out to like the jewish world to underground you know maybe only underground rap people do but, and, and that's obviously like such an understatement because so many more people know us than we do, mm-hmm. but you're always like, oh man, this is like the meeting that I needed to have before I went to Buffalo. Like, I can't believe I'm doing a show in Buffalo. I'm meeting like Buffalo rappers in the air. Like, what are the chances? And, uh, and just no, nothing. And then onto the next thing, you know, yeah. oh, I thought we we're going to do this podcast and someone's going to hit me up. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, yeah. so you do the, your first, your first time you get on TV, you're like, yes, I got on TV. That's crazy. I got a Super Bowl commercial. That's crazy. But reality is, it's better if you had a bunch of small commercials, right? And you had that consistency of structure, and that's the shit you learn out of as you get older. Yeah. You know, you're just like, man, I wish I had ten two thousand dollar licenses, because you're like a little HBO, a little MTV show, season six, episode four, whatever. But you get on TV the next time and you're like, damn, I ain't even on TV that much. And you're like angry, you're complaining, thinking another season of and Out, you know, you know, just see how it is. You're like, wow, it's called the law of diminishing returns. The only thing I learned at Rutgers University in economics.
0: Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Infused Productions. Anyone who likes good weed, good music, and good people needs to check out Infused Productions. And make sure to come to one of their upcoming shows, always featuring your favorite cannabis vendors and growers. Also, don't forget to come join the Grumpy Cup in Greenfield, Mass. July 8th and 9th for a comedy show, cannabis competition, barbecue competition, and exotic car show. Make sure to hit up Infuse Productions on IG, Facebook, or go to InfuseProductions.com. That's I-N-F-U-Z-E-D productions.com. Or if you want to check out The Grumpy Cup, go to thegrumpycup.com. Let's get back into it.
1: You eat a cookie. The first cookie is fucking amazing, right? The second cookie, not as amazing because he already ate the first one. This is also for people who smoke weed. Fourth cookie, (laughs) you're you're listening, right? (laughs) Something. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. By the tenth cookie, you are sick of yourself. You know what I mean. By the tenth season of Jersey Shore, you think the situation is like, oh yeah, I'm so excited. I'm, scared. <laughs> yo, dude, yeah. are you serious? No way. There's no way. It's it's impossible. So how do you stick into like a mind of like, yo, man, I'm so crazy. It's I'm so grateful that I'm having like a stride at my older years. And I thought I made it when I did a song with rizza I was in a studio with rizza and Cool G Rap. Rapping, rapping, yeah, <laughs> rapping. at what age? Killing it. Um, at twenty nine thirty, you know what I mean. Set to be like okay, thirty two is the, you know what I mean. Yeah, and then you're like, nah. Twenty fifteen was like I got on Van's Warp Tour. Then I went on Van's Warp Tour and did the street stage. I didn't get booked, and I booked the the street performer stage, and played for free, but sold twice the amount of merch. So I still made the same amount of money on a smaller stage. and get the same amount of promotion, you know. But I still did it because I was like what i knew and shit, you know what i mean so you just really don't know how what energy or spiritual energy comes into your life and just says like yo just
0: well it's tough how the thing that helps you is also the thing that hurts you the love diminishing returns my addictive personality Mm -hmm. is the thing that makes me just want to keep doing it no matter what yeah but that's also the thing that holds
1: me back i love rapping like on so many levels and you could tell like when someone's, I come from a world that says, like, oh, Kosha, you rap. Can you do a rap for me right now? Like, how many, name some rappers you work with? Name three.
0: Uh, Danny Brown.
1: Danny Brown. Westside Gun. Westside Gun. Fucking, I'll say Conway the Machine too. Okay, Conway. Okay, perfect. You think people get, hey, Conway, what's oh, so cool? Oh, your friends are rappers. This will be like my friends, right? Let's say Conway comes with me to like yeah. a Shabbat dinner or some shit. So here's Conway. Hey. Rabbi Isaac. Right? Up at West Side. <laughs> it's comedy. Oh, yeah. Conway's here. You know, you see how many. Oh, you're a rapper. I'll... Do a little rap first. Come on. <laughs> and then motherfuckers be like, I don't rap unless I get paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. To people, it's it's like, like
0: when people ask me to tell a joke.
1: Yes, exactly. Comedians will be like, oh, my God, tell me something funny. It happens every comedy club. People are like, because they're like, time's up to use. So for me, I turned that around and I was like, you know what? Every time someone asked me to rap, I'm going to rap. Fuck it. Mm. What would my life be like if I did that? Now, the great. What would life be How like?
0: Is it, what is? is what has that changed life? You, life? Huh? How do you see life now that you've done that?
1: Is this whole video going to be in there? Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. You see that Argentinian flag? Yes. I'm not Argentinian, but some kids from Argentina gave me that flag because I started rapping about Argentina. You know what I'm saying? So that's like a yeah. story I have, like a Puerto Rican Day Parade. You don't know it's like rapping there. You know, rapping about you know Ukraine and Israel and and all these like I, people give me that people give me shit. I think like that- it's just there, you know you never know. Like I might perform at someone's weddings, and that's just because you are like. I'm very much of a yes person. To like, Coach, you want to rap on the street corner? Yeah. Do you want to open up for Jizza? Um, sure. I'm like, do you want to play? Um, do you want to rap about sustainable energy in Flint, Michigan today for um, some nonprofit foundations for you know a couple thousand dollars? Yeah. <laughs> well, why? <laughs> yes. Why is that you? Why do you think you're
0: that type of rapper?
1: Um, what a great question. I think certain. Well, I people ask me what kind of rap music I make. I make user friendly rap music, right? For instance, I just did a song with Camouflage Monk. Tax is done. Yeah. He was like, so ha- we were just like excited to talk to each other. I'm like, man, this is like, this is going to like shock people. People are like, what? Because it's not. <laughs> because he also doesn't like, he, get, I, he gets it. When I talked to him, I was like, he gets it. Like, you don't want to be like just a one trick pony. You know what I mean? Because what is life like? What is life like? Like, how the hell did I go from being Rami for the first half of my life and then, now I've been Kosha deals almost longer than Rami. You know what I'm saying? And I'm obviously, but like people used to say when I was wrestling in college, I'd be like, yeah, Evanesh, you don't want to fuck with Evanesh. Like that was who I am. You don't want to fuck with me. So when I went to jail, Kosha it doesn't go to jail. <laughs> you know, coach, Adil, I wasn't even exi- like, so you're taking your, I'm taking my life experiences as Rami, Evan, you know, and that shit is it's such a cool journey to be on yeah. like it's cool that you could do stand up and you do stand up for people and no one knows who any of the rappers are that you interview that so, is
0: like, one of my favorite things because it humbles
1: me danny brown must get it too because he's doing comedy now too yeah. and he's doing a you know what i'm saying and you know obviously he's like at a way larger level of popularity than both of us put together 17 times. But,
0: (laughs) but comedy is humbling in that way because no one gives a fuck who you are. Mm -mm. You're talking about the booing, like that's kind of, that's that's nice in a way, because if everything else goes well, you can go bomb on stage. Yes.
1: And people deserve to experience bombing. (laughs) You deserve it. You really, the humble. It's like, you deserve. You know, it. when
0: people are like, you. everyone needs you, to know what it's like to get punched in the face.
1: Yes, exactly. You need to know what
0: it's like to bo- have an audience hate you.
1: Yeah. A yeah. group of people like hate you. Need you need to know what it's like to have people hate you. <laughs> For real. You do. You,
0: you deserve do. it. You can't walk
1: through life thinking everyone likes you. Let me tell you a great story about the group 112. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Beaches and Cream. First time I heard them, I was at Club Exit in New York City. I it was 19... DJ Riz was there. I was giving him a song called, it was my second rap song. I remember hearing a song. I remember navigating to the DJ booth to give him a CD about a song I had called ketamine. I was like, are you ketamine? And, uh, this is when people still sniff ketamine and it wasn't legal to do like legal services with it. Like it is today. But the point Were you sober is, at this point, no, this was like, this was a pre, pre, pre incarceration kosher. Like, you know, I've been arrested like four times in my life, but, um, so, you know, I've been sober almost 19 years. By the time, when is when this podcast come out? Maybe. A couple weeks. Okay, so. Yeah, end of July. I, July 30th is my sober date. So, um, I um, opened, I had about, it was my first paid gig. I got 500 bucks from Rutgers University to open up for 112. My, the record that I showed them was like, and I, at the time I was paying rent, I was paying $500 in rent. I was like, Yo. Um, how can I open up? They're like, yeah, we'll let you open up for one twelve. And I had like my music was super hardcore underground, like horrorcore was the thing. I had a song called Chainsaw Music. <laughs> um, um, you were going, you were yeah, Chainsaw Music Zone Out, and uh, it was all music I recorded when I was high, but I I was I released it when I was sober, <laughs> so <laughs> it was like because my goal was to like release the vinyl. I was like, um, um matzo for your mouth something celebrity i don't know i was like a frat party celebrity or some song and they were just like boo and then i got pissed off and i started like battling the crowd i was like i will never get off this stage i will and i remember i invite invited like my first ex-girlfriend like first my first girlfriend ever i was like 22 23 and they were just like boo and 112 was selling Polaroids for one hundred twenty, no twenty five dollars a pop, and motherfuckers lined up, and it was so cracking. People and I was like, man, I had maybe four months sober or two, something like that, and I was like, man, that's the most money I ever got paid for rapping, and I just got booed. And then my entire position on rap music shifted. I was like, I could do this. (laughs) (laughs) I could do this shit. I could do this shit. It's not going to get worse. than Unless somebody
0: stabs me while I'm on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not getting worse.
1: It was just just like no one, like I was coming from to a point where I was so high on drugs when I was rapping in the battle shit and like New York club pyramid and stuff like no one really ever talked to me. First rapper that really ever showed me love when I was, like, getting sober was Pumpkinhead, rest in peace. And, like, he was, man, he was, like, wow, you're, like, changing. And he was, like, my favorite rapper. And, uh, you know.
0: What made you get sober?
1: Um, I was I was facing a lot of prison time. I wasn't, like, in a sting operation. <laughs> so, like, I had already done time for selling Ecstasy. And, I, I mean, I was, like, buying them for $15 and, like, selling for 20 It was, like, you could literally do anything. And at that time, Ecstasy was, like, fentanyl now. Like, the experience of, like, the... You know what I mean? This is like 2002, 2003. So I was like under watch. I was selling drugs every day, but just really using it just to get high. So in my mind, I was like Tony Montana, but I was more like fucking... I was like no. I was like I don't know. I was like <laughs> you were like a dude
0: named Tony in Montana. I was like, you were Tony Slow <laughs> <Montana. laughs> Shlo-
1: Slowmo Shlomo from Montana. <laughs> Sh- I was like yeah, fucking I don't know. What what would be like the opposite of the Montanas? Shlomo from New Jersey, I don't know. Yeah, it was like the, it was nothing. So that entire th- when I was caught, I remember um sopranos was out at the time sopranos was like i was really about that like i was like the jewish guy i was like ray liotta and goodfellas he was like my icon he was like the slimy jewish dude that was just in the italian film and he was like you never dated a jewish girl or nothing like that and He just like didn't really want to be associated with anything jewish and um I was like pink shirt and like a Rolex. My other homie, Jay, who, shed, my man Jay did a, just did a book from from prison to millions. Like I come from like real, like you think I hustle? If I introduce you to my, this is my man, Pop, like another guy I hustle with, Pop Get Fresh. He was, he was my barber when I had hair. <laughs> he had a job for a short time, obviously. I
0: know, <laughs> yeah. trust me, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you, you, you but, looked at my head. But that <laughs> was it, it was
1: like, I was, I had a bunch of cocaine on me and I was in handcuffs, and I didn't even throw the large amount. I threw the small amounts. That's how drug addicted I was. I was selling cemetery plots door to door. I was set up on <laughs> All campus. Coked up. Yeah, I went.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like I like the idea yes. of selling cemetery plots on a college campus.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was door <laughs> yeah. You're
0: knocking on dorm it rooms. Was, yeah, no, but I did it, I
1: did it in uh, Edison, New Jersey. I remember it was I was just like back then you got jobs at the classified section. It was ill. <laughs> so I I remember getting set up in this in this thing, and I ran into the I went back I was trying to run back into class so when I first did my time I had about 60 credits then I came back and I had almost like 110 credits I was about to finish and all I wanted to do was finish college and then I was going to stop drugs and I was like hoping I would get arrested or go back to meetings because I already had to go and get things signed so I would get out of trouble and uh yeah I was basically on probation from like 2001 to like 2008 or 9 or 10 something like that it was set up and I got I didn't do time. They didn't find the large amount of drugs. And that was like the sign from God or something that I was like, yo, I have a chance to do what I really want to do. And once I got sober and I was like able to breathe through my nose, I was just writing raps and stories and books. And I'm like, I am going to do this shit. I'm going to release music. And and this is my my plan. And I've been on that, that journey ever since. Did you find religion during that time? the first time I ever seen a rabbi, this is because I like, so for people that don't know, I'm definitely involved in like the Jewish space in the world of like touring with Modest And then, you know, there's just so much different kind of shit, but like, i only saw a rabbi in jail because everyone else was seeing a pastor <laughs> so i claimed religious discrimination i was like i'm not working i thought i like Wait, I said, that's the
0: first time you ever did you know, anything like, i did a bar, I did a bar oh, mitzvah okay, and okay. i went
1: to hebrew school but like from then to like where i was in jail at 20 turning 21 nothing and um and then after that i was you know i got back in i did uh like before I did Birthright, right before I was like... Uh, birthright's like the trip you would go, Jewish kids in college, take the trip to go to Israel and shit. So um, they uh, had a couple months left. And after I got sober, my boy Jonah introduced me to Modest Yahoo. And he's like, yo, this guy's really Jewish and I want to do a lot of Jewish stuff with you. And I'm, and he's like, you should meet him. And then I went and I performed at BB King's on Christmas night. And I'm like, what is this going to be like? And this he was... Like in the New York Times, I met him. I went to his house. He like beatboxed for me. I kicked a rhyme. He's like, "Yo, you're pretty good." Gave me an opportunity to perform on stage. And on Christmas night in New York City, there were like a thousand Jewish people at this party. And you're like, "What wow. do Jews do on Christmas? They all go out and party. Yeah, eat some Chinese food. Eat go Chinese food and party. Just, yeah. yeah, and just just go holler. You know. Yeah, and, um, and go dancing I was, with some
0: low man in your stomach. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for me, general so, but mm, good yeah, choice, yeah, 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 good yeah, choice, yeah, or sesame <laughs> chicken or whatever, and I'm like, oh my god, and it was like the coolest thing, and my boy was in this band, and he knew me from all the stuff at Eureka Post Cafe, and and that was like, people were like your name is Kosha dills at that point people weren't like associating them. This is like four months. I wasn't like, oh, you're Kosha dills and people are like, yo you should do like. There was this burgeoning, like, is the right word, Budgening? burgeoning, burgeoning, burgeoning. Burgeoning, I think. I think it's burgeoning. Burgeoning yeah. music scene of the Jewish world. Because Madest Yahoo was like spiritual rap. Before that, it was Ill Bill and Necro. That was my shit. And Beastie Boys. And if you really want to get it. You just it, did like,
0: some shit with Ill Bill.
1: Yeah, shout out to Ill Bill. He is an amazing person. And Necro is also really cool too. In different ways. I just think they definitely cornered. But that, they were the first people to really try to. What, what I was aiming for with Kosha Dills. Being at my life at that time, I was on some street shit. And i was still hanging on to like my street ident- identity now you would be like the, he'd never experienced anything like I, you know yeah. you could put me in a boardroom with like the biggest nerds i'm like oh hello you know what i mean um but at that time i was like i wanted to be like the street jew i wanted to be ray liotta from goodfellas i was just like but no rel- no religion nah nah more I- cultural identity because you know religion there, are everything else no religion- relationship with a higher power i should say well, I have a relationship with a higher power on a, on my spiritual level, mm-hmm. but like no organized religion, but being Jewish is an ethno religion. So I'm more in touch with the Israeli side. Currently I would say what brings me closer to a higher power is speaking Hebrew, just like speaking another language. And that's cause that's like with the footsteps of my parents and what I was really always identifying with of like growing up and speaking another language. And I think that's super ill and powerful to be able to, communicate with people i think communication is the higher power for me i speak spanish as you heard i speak hebrew english i took italian i would love to speak for, i mean i would love to learn arabic like french this is like what i would that's what i would consider successful being able to communicate with everyone properly mm. that's like to me and that's like what an artist does right if you're looking at like the rappers you're talking about West Side, and and then it's like being able to communicate to so many people, and they actually understand the words that you're saying, and they're speaking them back to you, even though it's a song. But that's the illest shit that a human could do is be able to. That would be my superpower. You heard? Speak every <laughs> Speak language. Speak every language. Yes, that would be like, because then what's fucking with that? Do, okay, so you could do. Imagine doing comedy in every single language.
0: Yeah, I I did comedy because I felt so misunderstood and I just wanted people to, I wanted to force people to listen to me and understand me. And laughter is what I considered people understanding.
1: That's what most hustlers do is they feel they come from a place. This is, I'll speak for myself. You feel misunderstood. You lack power. You become a hustler because then you're like the, the item of attention and people need you. Mm-hmm. And coming from, and you know, I'm saying because you were dealt with. I need other shit, so I mean, that that was that's what I like really me being on stage and battling another rapper or performing in front of 10,000 people is because of my lack of being able to communicate all my need you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so currently to this day, you know, we could I'll put out any, you know, I'll do a cartwheel, hula <laughs> hoop, post a video online, but like having a legitimate car, it's taken me a long time to learn how to. Psst, you know, why do for- you
0: think your brain is wired that way?
1: Mm. I think it comes from like generational trauma of of um, my whole family dying in the Holocaust, passed down to my parents, passed down to, you know to kids, to living in a country where you know there's always a war, there's always like watch your back. Like my father the other day, he's like, "Oh, you're performing in Israel parade, or you're performing, or you make sure you watch your back." Like my dad thinks something, I will get stabbed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like most parents do not just say, "Like, oh, be careful." You know what I mean? And everyone would be like, oh, be careful. But you know, also like I'll talk about addiction and be like, my mother be like, why would you tell anybody that? I'm like, I've literally done that my whole life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, I've never had another job because like I'm going to New Zealand this summer and I have to fill out like, uh, you know, when you go to these other countries and you have criminal records, you have to fill it like I'm a decent person. You got to get a person mm-hmm. to write a letter. That's just shit so demoralizing. You're like, oh, dude, yeah. I'm so detached from that. I did drugs for four years. I have all this record. You know I mean? I did drugs a little bit longer than that, but I've been cleaner longer than I have been high. Yet this stuff travels with you, like no matter what, it's so yeah. messed up. If you do one bad thing, people just associate you with that forever, right? If you do all these good things, you need to get proof and show it to everyone. No one even cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they still deny you. Yeah, it's even in our society's like framework. So that is that's a big reason why of like me performing. It's just it's consistently like way to get out of my own head and get out of myself because like you know get you,
0: in that flow state.
1: Yeah, you don't know, like it's it's crazy because other people be like, "Wow, you're so." awesome and you're like dude this this is nuts i I need to feel like that i need to feel like you're you need to feel like what your number one fan thinks about you not the people in the back you need to feel Mm. about like about yourself like the people do in the front row not the motherfucking cool dudes in the back that want to be in the guest list fuck them bye take a bitch (laughs) for real you really need those people in your corners you get you know what i'm saying but shout out to everyone on the guest list too i love you but you like I need to feel about my and um, especially performers we need to feel about ourselves like the people that pay us how much you charge you charge five thousand dollars okay cool then you ch- ask yourself about a guy who you charge five thousand dollars and then the guy tried to pay you seven hundred and you're like you know what that's my man you know what I'm saying he knows this guy that guy he's my man's and it was like the most difficult thing to ever deal with It's like literally like yeah. you would literally want to shoot yourself seven times Like, you know what I mean? After dealing with that person who asked for three discounts and this and this, and then they don't even do it.
0: Yeah. No one listens to the golden rule. And that's treat
1: others the way you want to be treated. And that's all related to like trauma stuff because that person's who does that is just keeping, he's always preventing himself from moving forward, just making the deal. There's nothing I love to do more than pay people full price. (laughs) It's such, because you would never have any issues. You paid the asking price. You would like literally go, you would have... By the time you die, you probably have like an extra five years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you do you feel like so are we getting, you're saying are we getting are we we're getting deep? We're getting deep. Yeah, you're talking about about uh, trauma is uh, how you're wired today is based on trauma. Straight yeah, back I think, to like you were talking about the Holocaust. I
1: not, yeah, I did not need to. First off, not, most people do not need to sell drugs to survive. Let's be honest; everyone could get a job. You like I listen. I I tainted my entire life by making five dollars on an ecstasy pill. Why did you sell drugs then? Because because you're like I wanted to be the man of the tension, you know. And you're like oh, and I'll get high and and I'll get so it was just like I was in control. So people come into this shit because they lack control. People want to feel like they're in control of a situation. No one likes to go like it's like you you ever get into a fight, Mm -hmm. and a motherfucker's about to just in your ass and jump. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Yo, and you're like you're helpless, but you ever win a fight and and and, and somebody's on the ground, like you feel like you're in control, right? And that's just essentially like you're you're in fighting for your life to be like if I have this and I I know that you need me. Mm-hmm. It's like someone hitting you up and offering you a gig, they're always going to offer you more than you're like soliciting yourself and saying, "Hey, this is what I do." And you're like, "Oh, well, you know what I mean?" Yeah. Um and that's and it goes back to that and it's just wired from like the way I was just the, my interactions with my f- my family from like you know, and everyone has whatever they have and they going into their adult life, but it's up to up to you to like navigate that as an adult. So you go to your yeah. first
0: rabbi while you're in prison, but when do you find your relationship? Jail. I want to well, say it's jail. jail Sorry. Jail, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: When did you find
0: your relationship with
1: the religion? Jewishness? Because kosher deals kept getting sought out by like. um like w- going to, so you're like forced, not forced into it. Yeah, but, like, but just like, Kosher deals was like a magnet because see, my, Rami is also an Arabic name, Palestinian name, Syrian name, Lebanese name, Egyptian name. So I was like, uh, and I knew I kind of I really loved like going to my family's house in Israel and, and 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 like my relationship at that time was like, yo, I think if I do this thing as Kosher deals, like it'll kind of attract a lot more in the in in this world. And after having an experience with Mato performing for like a whole room of Jewish people it was so ill. And just performing for a crowd that you never performed for, I'm talking, this is 2004. I was rapping since 99. So you think I was five years, I was rapping for all black people and I was the white boy and I was, you know, it's Newark and in, in New York and Puerto Rican people. And, you know, there'd be one Asian guy and white dudes with backpacks <laughs> And then you're like in this room and everyone's having a good time. I didn't even know this existed in rap that people were having good times at shows. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't know that because I'm coming from underground rap. And I'm like, Well, this everyone in is... the
0: audience is also on the show. Yes, yeah.
1: And they're just like, it's just it's just not the same experience. And people were singing a lot. I'd never seen that. And I'm like, this is what I love. I love this. And people are like, you're awesome. Kosha deals you're amazing and i was sober and i'm like going to meetings and and i was still uh and the person i went to that show with ended up overdosing and dying my boy andy and so it was like leaving this life behind and going into this new thing and that was just attractive and it was like culture and there's religion and there's these groups and he's like you know you, you know 20s and 30s groups and they're like yo we're doing this thing you should come and hang out and we'll learn and study and maybe someone will book you for an event and you could just talk about stuff you do. Yeah. And you're like, that's, that sounds enjoyable. <laughs> like on a personal level. And I'm like, Oh man, it's awesome. And then I just started being Rami and Kosha Dills. And I was just like, Koshi Dills, Kosha Dills. And that world, that world that I'm telling you about now, I'm talking like 2006, 2010, doing both of those worlds, rap world and Jewish world. That, sort of like catapulted me and that that definitely catapulted modus Yahu like when he first started those small groups were just you know you go to oakland or you go to atlanta and you go to you know these things called chabad houses mm-hmm. and they're just like yo man come hang out you know and just eat food and and hang out and give us a rap or something i know we'll posting on a facebook and then just all these groups and these micro groups micro communities yeah in all these cities and just travels and next thing you know you have a name next thing you know you're playing events, you're playing shows for like, you know, door money or rap battles, and then you're like, Hey, can we give you a thousand bucks to like play this party we're doing? It's gonna be like three hundred people, and you're like, Fuck yeah, dude. I was delivering pizza and selling cemetery plots, selling fucking coke. There's no no such thing as niche. No, it was just it was like it, it made sense. It was like all your right, If you there's knows.
0: people like you, there's other people out there who like that. Exactly. And you just have to find those
1: people. Exactly, dude. You could have never told me that like after company flow run the jewels would have existed but you see like culture changing you're like oh man people love killer mike i saw killer mike play shows in front of different fans and it was there were not a lot of people not there was a lot of amount of people at I, my shows like 100 people i played paid dues with like mac miller and macklemore and played the first tours with g easy and mod Sun, and played with little dicky i played through all this shit and you're like seeing you're like just looking for your community not everyone gets a chance to go crazy but these communities and, and styles of fans they exist for each different thing nowadays you see a rapper right they go in their first show it's sold out I, like I said my first show we just getting booed yeah like um, <laughs> like uh, the BL uh BLP Kosher shout out to BLP BLP Co- yeah that show you guys have just done do you
0: guys just were together we were I just feel together like, yeah, yeah yeah
1: he's awesome he hit me up when he came to New York and we knew each other through other Jewish people that we recorded with in um our boy um Yosef and this black Jewish kid in in uh in Boca and it was just like it was just ill and I cause I did something with this dude Nassim Black who's a black Orthodox Jew who I knew from Seattle when he wasn't Jewish he converted I saw him go from not being Jewish he was seemed white. I mean, black. <laughs> no, I see it was always black. But like he you know, that's the, that's the kind of the the beautiful thing about at least my career is that I've seen I see I got to see Moore when there was fifty people and then I got to see Macklemore when there was fifty thousand. Yeah. Or thirty people and thirty thousand or whatever. Like and I seen it and I was like holy shit. So you know you see him go up, you see him go down. You know, so that's the cool thing about sticking around. Yeah. You know, now I'm like experiencing comedy, like you're doing comedy. And now I'm like, oh, we'll do shows together because now comics are doing rap shows. Yeah, and, um, fucking my boy, um, is going on tour with Lil Durk. You know what I mean? who, I have, re- who? um, I uh, I don't want to like uh say because it's, it's like, but but I like but like, but like going a comedian, comedian going on tour, tour. on tour with Lil Durk. There's comedians that go on tour with Jelly Roll there's comedians that are opening up for um just uh yeah my boy mojo my mojo, mojo does stuff with with um with with dirk and he's in his videos and shit but like that's a consistent thing because people don't want another rapper and another rapper it's so, like when i get a, like comedian or funny host you know and that sort of was introduced in this era of podcasting like joe no one could have told me joe button would have been a podcaster
0: yeah it's because it's a way Jersey. for people to create content quickly. Yeah. Comedy, we were talking about this before, and it's hard to create comedy content.
1: Rare, yeah, you're just talking shit, and people a be lot. like, Gosha Dill saw a rabbi in jail. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny, dude. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. What do you mean Gosha Dill wanted to be the Jewish guy in Goodfellas? People go back and watch Goodfellas, and then you splice the video and it has Goodfellas and Sopranos and, you know. All that stuff is extremely interesting to see how culture shifts. And the cool thing about me is that I've pretty much Rami and Coach Edo's all have been sort of aligned in the same thing. You know what I mean? Um, I really always liked being like the tough, more street-educated Jewish person. I love bringing together black communities, Jewish communities, working with Holocaust survivors. I was always intrigued. And it's just, I don't know, I'm proud of like what I've created and other people are too and just bring it all together somehow. It's hard though. It's yeah. hard to it's hard to be a jack of all trades, dude. But someone got to do it. <laughs> what what happened that set you on this new path
0: that reinvigorated you?
1: Mm, of what? Like of Of um, you
0: said just being like fuck it, I will go rap outside. Fuck it, I will do comedy. Fuck it, I will What made you like reinvigorated? I think Find a love again. I
1: think there's there's a concept in recovery and like recovery, I mean, sobriety or anyone on a path of like 12 step stuff. It's just like, you know, and I got introduced to that through the court system. So, um, it's just attraction, not promotion. And if people know me, I'm a relentless promoter, (laughs) but doing attraction is like, like, put it this way. And I just keep going back to the rap dudes that we see. It's like, you know, the ones who are really killing it, dude, like they put it they're attracting. they're like you don't got to come to the show you come to show you buy the shirt you know but they don't cut a deal it is what it is it's strict and like i'm the shit and they consistently feel about themselves that that consistent thing and that is very appealing to me it's like you know this isn't that's the way to do it. it's like like um rapping on the street there's always these videos of like the the um there's a recent article that came up with somebody that played a violin. That was like a $4 million violin. He's one of the most famous violin players. And he was just playing in, in the subway. Right. Mm -hmm. People walking by, I don't give a shit. I'm like, dude, this guy's killing it. And then this is the next thing. There was somebody from American Idol that went back to busking. Busking is when you rap on the street or sing on the street or play guitar or whatever. And everyone's like, why'd you do that? And you're like, it's so crazy for the concept of like people could like leave their former life, break up with their their wife, leave their, you know, and then start back over. But in music, it's like looked down upon. Right. But it's like, you know what? Go fuck. Go back down to square one to come back up. And when I did that, I got the audition for and Out and I had the video with Fat Joe. Fat Joe started rapping with me after, in a rainstorm. Like I said, back to the rainstorms <laughs> at a Knicks game when the Knicks were winning. Shout out to the Knicks and that shit everyone all of a sudden everyone just showed up again in my life like oh my god it finally happened i'm so you know happy for you, whether they're happy or not who cares but it's like you turn that opportunity into it and you always know like anytime i would do a show i'm like damn i can't sell any tickets so who gives a fuck about tickets there's plenty of people outside of new york yeah <laughs> you don't gotta sell a ticket if people are outside right now you can go perform for people right now and that that's i was just like fine who cares start over it's like i'm just doing the same shit anyway making a hundred dollars here a hundred dollars there so it's just like let me let me start back over and there's something symbolic about starting over and just going back to the source to come back up again and you know what i mean it's like when someone makes the announcement like yo man i'm gonna stop doing instagram i'm getting off this shit and you're like shut the fuck up pussy
0: it's like you know? the person being like i'm about to lose all this weight instead of just going to the gym just do it shut just up go to the and gym, just yeah. shut up
1: and come back and come back and the thing is <laughs> no one knew you were doing the other stuff anyway because they weren't following you anyway yeah you know what i mean so for me it was like who cares so i just did a film and i'm like i'm coming out like no one it, you know i'm not married to anything but I was finally happy that like I got the opportunity to go on Wild and Out as Kosha Dills. And then I got my characters on Wild and Out on television as Kosha Dills. And now that I'm doing it there, even there, they were like, you can do whatever you want here. Cause this is like your this is like your opportunity to really is the last place. my Wild and Out family is so amazing. It was so so dope to be part it's so dope to be part of a community, right? Of people that just do their own thing. You would think you would never fucking get there. And you you do, and then you're like, holy shit, I could do it. Like even I was there, I was I was like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want people to really know me. I'm Rami, you know, because does my real name. But you know, hip hop coming out of hip hop, and then once you start operating in like other worlds, you you kind of like you don't want to do your, you don't want to be your hip hop persona in every single circle. You want to be Sam. Sometimes you want to be Sam. You know, sometimes you give him this email, sometimes you give you that email, but you authentically want to be yourself. And for me, right now in my life, I'm like I'm really on my Rami shit. I love it. Are you a comedian? Me?
0: Do you see yourself as that now?
1: Yeah. I love it. I like comedy. I'm not the best comedian, but it is a solid side quest of mine. <laughs> it's side a
0: quest, not the main quest.
1: No, my main quest is telling my story. I'm a storyteller. You know what I mean? I want people to really understand and, and you know what I'm saying? To know my, know my goals. You know, I'm like a guy that just, I want a family. I want, I want a solid relationship. I want solid relationships with everyone. I want people to be... I want to inspire people. And if I could do that in rap, if I could do that through a media post, if I could do that by writing something, if I could do that by singing something, if I could do that through telling a joke and bringing people together, then why not? Like some of my clips on comedy are getting way more than my music videos. And I just started. You know what I mean? They're not all going to be like that, but that's not what I do it you know i mean i know all my street performance videos aren't going to blow up but i do know that they make people happy and shit and you know what i mean yeah and yeah it's it's fun and like i think i think if you come from making a song called chainsaw music as your first release (laughs) it's it's really dope to like make a song called taxes done and it's like i remember when my dad was forcing me to do taxes he's like i don't care if you made six thousand dollars you're gonna fucking learn how to do this shit cause that's what he was taught. he was only taught that he was not taught emotion. <laughs> my yeah. dad was not taught anything he wasn't taught rhyme scheme yeah, he wasn't taught none of that, <laughs> but now us in like this new generation of like the last of the millennials and the new gen gen Z type shit like we could rebr we could rebrand Earth we're rebranding Earth, ladies and gentlemen so it's it's really cool to like say, you know what no i could I could do this shit like you if if thirty is the new twenty now forty is the new thirty, and people are you know making film at a late age and podcasting is becoming something then i could i could do comedy i could do open mics again you know
0: i love that man that's beautiful
1: thanks man for real So
0: i'm about to do an open mic tonight last thing yeah craziest experience busking
1: craziest experience busking um oh shit yeah wait no that wasn't it I was about to tell you the time a Cat Williams tried to fist fight me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you can't but, drop that and nah, not tell it. Yeah, no, that was in LA in
1: 2011, and he I asked him for You a weren't job. a 14 year old boy. I wasn't a 14 year old boy, no. But that wasn't <laughs> he I, thought I, he was wasn't street performance. <laughs> oh, okay. I do have a really I have a crazy experience okay. performing. This was this was um but but yeah, the Cat Williams thing was funny because I just did Wild and Out with Cat Williams. He's awesome. And, uh, he's just, he's just a legend of cat is just, but like at the time I think he was really high and, and, uh, I, I asked him for a drop and he got super angry and tried to street fight me. And as I just moved to LA. It was like, no one, no one would ever, know. Wait,
0: you were like, hey, can you say this thing? And he's like, square up, motherfucker. He was
1: like, "BT pays me a hundred racks for a drop. And I was like, that is so much money for a drop. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I would do it for 500. <laughs> he, he had his lawyer with him who was also Jewish, ironically. And, uh, and he is like, I was like, I got enough Jewish friends. And the guy was like trying to stop and he And then this one woman, this was the craziest shit about that. He's like, wanna, he was like, you don't want to, he was like, "He's roasting me while he's about to fight me. He's like, You little bald ass motherfucker with your dented ass karma, stupid ass motherfucker. And he's like, and then, and then he's he's like, Yeah, let's get it. And he's like, They're like, Cat, it's not worth it. Cat is one girls like, Cat, it ain't worth it, Cat. And he's like, It's always worth it. <laughs> and I didn't get a chance to tell him that.
0: That's hilarious. But that was now shit. I know why he fought that child, because it's always
1: worth it's it. It's always worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so amazing. And I was like, it was it was a viral moment. It was like it was a viral moment in my brain. That yeah, relips. you could never. It, it's it, it has. Imagine
0: Cat Williams squaring up on you. It was
1: it, it has got with his hair all bouncing around. I don't know. I think I still have videos of him rehearsing because at this point I was like filming things on my computer, like Dell, with like the camera from the computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't so. Anyways, it it has never gone viral. That moment. As it wasn't filmed, but it's gone viral, and my brain has been seen millions of times by myself.
0: <laughs> you I replay that and every day. I'm like,
1: I cannot tell <laughs> anyone this, but it's this the first time I really told that story. Because <laughs> and we, that I,
0: wasn't even your craziest buzz. No, game. no, no, no. no, no.
1: <laughs> so I started street performing outside the Staples Center, and uh, I started rapping outside the Grammys. And the guy who I had the Super Bowl commercial with—this is called cool, all these. This is what's it called in 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 uh, in comedy when you like circle back to the original joke? Oh, um, a callback, callback. Yeah, because this is a callback, right? So the guy who I did the Super Bowl commercial with, Jesse Shacken, belief, we uh, on a song called "Cellular Phone." So in 2015, he had a um, he had a uh, oh, sorry, for a second, he had. A Grammy nominated record with Sia called Chandelier. Remember that? Yeah, Uh, yeah. The Mm -hmm. Chandelier, the Chandelier. Yeah, that song was huge. Yeah. So that was 2015. This is just before Warp Tour, right? Um, So my roommate, Lonnie, who's now a millionaire, who was a broke cab driver, goes, Rami, you're not going to go to the Grammys. You're going to get out there and you're going to rap. Now, this guy, Megaran, who is already a member of the Grammys, a, ra- a great rapper. I just did a show him yesterday. Um, shout out to Megaran. I tried to buy a ticket from him. Jesse couldn't get me a ticket. I think he was bringing his mom. I tried to get a ticket from Megaran. I paid him $300 or whatever, whatever Grammy seat is. You know, I think it was like $300. He's like, yeah, I can get him and send you the money back. I'm like, Lonnie goes, you should rap outside the Grammys. And Lonnie has never steered me wrong because he first told me to get a Pro Tools. I recorded... I recorded that Super Bowl song in a rest stop, by the way, the that which ended up bringing in six figures, right, on a $50 mic. But back to the busking. He goes, you should rap. This is three years after the Super Bowl commercial. You should rap outside the Grammys. This was the first idea of the We Outside Till We're Inside brand of, like, the shit that I was rapping outside MSG. So I go, I rap. I see everyone that night. This is the craziest night of my life. I'm rapping outside I see Paris and I get moved from here because I'm too close to Stable Center. I get moved from there. I got other people filming. Everyone's trying to like film and get celebrities. And um, I end up seeing somebody, you know, there's tons of people outside. So someone asked me to film me and then they said, can you sign up? And I'm like, I'll do anything. You're here. I'll sign your list. So I signed the list. Um, I rap. I see Weird Al Yankovic. I get invited to a party and like Skrillex is there. And Diplo spinning, and I fucking met Taylor Swift that night. I met Taylor Swift this very night. That's not even the craziest shit because the story goes, continuously goes, okay? Yeah. I get a call the next week from the person I signed her email list, right? By the way, Taylor said, hey, Kosha. Mm -hmm. She called me Kosha, not Rami. And I thought, she doesn't know I'm Rami. Mm I'm, I'm more excited about Weird Al. I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. Seriously, <laughs> who I found out wasn't Jewish at that moment. I know that's some crazy. Cut the video right there. <laughs> so, so
0: I wish the camera the could bus just pan. I make like forty
1: dollars. I go out. I'm out all nights. Like like I said, Diplo. I mean Taylor Swift. This is all you know. Jesse doesn't get the Grammy. They see. I think they lost all of them. And it's just an amazing. I meet Ed Sheeran. This is the craziest night of my LA life. Right? It's my celebrity night week later i don't know i'm trying to hang out with some girls some shit i don't want to go someone called me and they're like hey for 150 bucks in, in like american express credit cards we want you to come in and do this survey they were like filling out for a survey it was the people that i signed rapping outside the grammys right yeah and i got all these invites to these parties i go i barely get there i do it i'm like so reluctant i wanted to leave early i wanted to get there late Month after that, I get a phone call after I get the $150 in American Express gift card, something for Chevrolet. It was just like, you know, they're like, you know, we're, we're, I'm dressed up in a suit, like a, just no logos, nothing. And they were filming and stuff and you know, I didn't think anything of it. And they say, hey, you're in a commercial so- called, um, we use real people, not actors. Do you remember those commercials? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. National commercial, all from rapping outside the Grammys, which I paid to get in. I ended up making that year $50,000 Off rapping Outside the Grammys It's in my TED talk Check wow. it out It's called Freestyle rap Saved my life You could look at my TED talk TEDx talk Which I did in Poland Freestyle rap Saved my life Kosha Dills That's and I crazy tell that It's crazy Because it was like An extension And it's actually Really what I think of Because in my mind I just wanted people I wanted to be the guy That was the drug I wanted to be On the red carpet I wanted to be Because I should be In there talking to everybody But sometimes You just need to Shut the fuck up And just rap <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And then you know, who else tells me that <laughs> at wild and out, they're like, stop with your stupid ass oh. joke, shut the fuck up and rap and roast, kill, kill motherfuckers out there, you know? And that's what I did. And I got moved from rapping here to rapping there. I saw a Cylinder Like, you got to move, you got to move, you got to move, you got to move. And then I met those people that signed up on the email list. And then it happened. And then I met Taylor Swift. <laughs> and then I got the, you know, call the next week. And then a month later. So it was all just like a process of life and it's like you think you're there and you think you're there and you think you're there but you're not that's why a side quest is not really a side quest it's a new quest you feel me i do it's not a it's not a you know you're just you, on your path you're on your path yeah living it to the most you can that's it dude. not a side quest it's getting a hundred percent yeah man it's it's a 360 circumference dude you know what i mean that's man that's it you gotta you gotta not there's so many other things i think people want to do and they don't do it and and um i just think it's a disservice to myself not to explore not to explore like you know just humility and humbling myself and just living life to the fullest yeah man i mean that was a crazy moment street performing because that's entirely what street performing is about you think it's an immediate return like a bus or a dollar but it's not it's the video that goes you know viral the next the fat joe thing could have never told me that shit would have happened because that same day um shit like a famous producer i wrapped I just an hour before with the famous producer um and uh, and um Mark Ronson saw me that same day really it, and filmed me and put me and was like you're on Mark Ronson's Instagram and I'm like oh my god I made it and then another another rapper from um another rapper from Venezuela saw me and I rapped to them and I was like oh my god this guy has like a million, two million followers sick right and I never even posted that video because same shit my rap with Fat Joe, it was insane and then the week after that I rap some dude that was from like Bangladesh saw me rap, they gave me a hundred bucks, invited me to perform and paid me an Ethereum when it was worth like, and he like bought Beeple's art. It was like, he owned like 69 million and they found me on the street just from rapping. And that's, and there's tons of other stories where emotionally I was like a wreck and I just met someone the other day that was just like, I met somebody that did hula hoop in it. And I'm just like, someday it's going to be this person He's like, you should hula hoop. And I was like, I'm going to fucking hula hoop today. And it's not like, it's not about money. You know what I'm saying? It's about following my path and not getting off the path and living. Yeah. And you're not like, maybe you're not the funniest guy, but I'm not trying. I'm trying to be the best me. You know what I'm saying? If that makes you laugh, cool. If not boomy bitch, I've been booed by one, one one twelve shows. I could take anything in my life,
0: <laughs> man. That was beautiful. <laughs> I think you. that's a perfect ending. Um, I really appreciate your hospitality, your time. This was thanks man. A long time coming.
1: Get okay, some vinyl. I got vinyl. I got a ton of them here. I don't sell that many, but it's a he great You also have pickle shirts. I have pickle shirts. <laughs> and I got a kosher hat. She got to see the kosher hats. Yeah, head up to merch.
0: Any final words? Any words of wisdom to leave them on?
1: I didn't do it. No. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, Yeah, man. Um, I just appreciate people being receptive. If you watched the whole video, cool. And, uh sh- you know, support you, man. Buy Thank your stuff. You. Subscribe to his channel. And if you want to follow me, uh, kosher deals, everything is K O S H A D I L L Z. Um, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, my website's kosher dot And, uh, I am available for cool stuff to do. So if you're like, Hey man, I want you to come perform at my barn in, uh, upstate New York and there's waterfalls behind it. And I got it. You know what I mean? Like, let me know. Yeah. You know I mean, I'm, I'm, and
0: maybe you'll see us on a comedy show sometime yes, coming yeah, yeah, soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And shout out if Wild and Out is out every Thursday right now on VH1. Um,
0: uh, yeah. Maddie Smith was one of my first guests on re- this podcast. Really? Maddie yeah.
1: Smith is a go. I did, uh, I just said some great stuff to her on television. <laughs> <I'm gonna have laughs> I, I hope that. it. I hope it may. She is very inspiring to me because she's, she just kills shit. And she's, and she just, don't give like, a fuck. She don't give a fuck. Time to turn on and turn up. Or what? And uh, shout out to Nick Cannon. Shout out to the whole Wild and Out cast. Shout out to Ill Bill. Shout out to all the other Jewish rappers out there. Shout um, out to Chainsaws. Shout out to Chainsaws. <laughs> shout out to Camouflage Monk. Shout out Camouflage Monk. Shout yes. out to Camouflage Monk. Shout out Peter Oasis. Who? Shout, 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 out shout out Cat, Cat Williams. Williams
0: Shout out Peter Oasis
1: Yeah shout out Thousand Words Mama, Mama Words, Words. Yes. Yeah. Um, everyone in, in Bushwick I'm not originally from here I'm originally from New Jersey I have gentrified this place I'm part of the problem I'm from Massachusetts <laughs> I can't talk First thing I always run at Massachusetts Was Massachusetts Half you useless Half you Jewish <laughs> I don't know That's something like Jesus
0: <laughs> Someone put a beat over that uh, We're done
1: Thanks Peace Goodbye <laughs>
0: Yeah
1: yeah Yeah, yeah.